Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Quartimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. Your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? All right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. How's it going out there today? It is Monday. February 27th, 2023, the last show of February, and I have to tell you this, the best month we've had on this show, from a uh, download perspective, and I have you guys to thank for this. Now the millions will start rolling in, no? Thousands? No? No? Ones? No? Negatives? Okay, there we go. Negatives. We'll start rolling in. Um, Yeah, so I just want to keep this going, guys. So please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you guys would please subscribe to the show. It doesn't cost you anything. I'm not one of these shows that has a Patreon and uh, premium members only, McGillicuddy Jones, da-da-da. I just need you guys to subscribe to the free show. And then, hear me out. Then... I need you to share this with your friends. Let's get the word out. Keep the D-Tom train rolling. We want to keep it chugging down the tracks and let's not derail the... De- too soon? Is it too soon? All right, let's keep it on the tracks. All right. I got a pretty decent little show for you guys today. I was digging around, doing a little bit of research. And we're going to talk about the Ukraine war. <laughs> Shocking. No. I'm going to go in a different direction of the Ukraine-Russia situation and how much of this is something that's floating in my whiskey. What is that? What is it? You know what it is? It's going to get drank, whatever it is, because I'm about to say I don't care. There it is. 
All right. Sorry about that. But you know what? It's alcohol, so it'll sterilize it. I don't know what it was. I think it was a big cockroach. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Looked like a piece of pepper. I don't know how that got in there. Anyway. Sorry. Where was that? Good show. I uh, did a, bit, a little bit of research, and I'm going to go in a different direction as to what a lot of this could be about and, and the the longevity of the in the buildup <laughs> to this war. You know... When we talk about the deep state, we talk about the new world order, and we talk about the uh, the elites and all this, all the different catchphrases. We say nothing is immediate; nothing happens like that. It's a buildup, and um, and you'll understand what I mean when I tell you what I'm going to talk about. But before we get into that, um, I want to make sure to remind you about our uh, social media's uh, platform. So on Facebook. Instagram and on the ticker talker, it's uh, Don't Tread on America. So follow us there. You get all show updates and, and whatnot. If you're not on those and you're on Twitter, check us out at DTOM underscore 1775. And uh, if you want to follow me, it's uh, PCGC underscore 1775. And uh, if you are not on any social media, God bless you. <laughs> but uh, you can follow us at Don't Tread on America.com. And uh, there you can subscribe to the uh, the uh, webpage. I won't spam you. You won't get any kind of junk emails. You'll get some of the blogs I do occasionally. I might do a blog. Um, you'll get show updates. But the biggest thing about the website is if you're not on social media and you don't want to follow the show on Facebook or whatever because you're not on those platforms, you can email me from that website you have a question, a story, an idea, something you came across, uh, and it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. I, I got a gentleman in Spain via England who sends me stuff all the time through the website. So you can do that also if you are so inclined. So <laughs> real quick, I got a couple, this one thing I want to I talk about real quick. It's kind of funny. Uh, before I do, I want to make sure to remind you about our other a sponsor to the show, uh, Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at christianlawson.com and use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30% off on your purchase price. All right. So, Saturday. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Saturday Night Live anymore for obvious reasons. The um when I was younger, you know, like when uh Adam Sandler and Dana Carvey and David Spade and you know, uh, Chris Farley, those that cast of characters, when they were on there, I was, oh my God, Saturday Night Live was the best thing ever. Now, a days, most of these shows are too woke and too whatever. But Saturday, <laughs> Woody Harrelson was, uh, was the guest host or whatever. And this was in the, towards the end of his opening monologue, okay, if you didn't so catch this. the movie this. goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> that one obviously snuck by the censors there at NBC, I would assume. 
Um, <laughs> obviously, he's talking about Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, right? Taking the vaccine. And uh, you could tell there wasn't much laughter there. You had a couple of chuckles from people in the in the studio. I just, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Anywho. Okay, so I found a clip from CNN. Now, this is back in 2015. And this will be the precursor to what we're going to talk about here as far as what the show is going to be about. Now, when people wonder what this war is about, how did it start, why did it start, what's the deal, this is from CNN. This isn't from Fox or, uh, you know, some right-wing, you know, whatever. This is CNN. Now, this is this was shortly after Crimea, when Russia went in and took Crimea from uh, from Ukraine. And if you recall back then, there wasn't really a whole lot of anything about this, right? And in this, in this clip here, you're going to understand why some of those things happen. And then we're going to get into the crux of the show and what... What everything's about here. A hard time winning back hearts and minds in this city. As the people of Donetsk sweep up the debris of their homes and livelihoods, they are hardened against a president they say is killing his own people. We are Ukrainian, but they kill us, this man says. So we probably need our own country, because these people in Kiev, they are not brothers for us. The shells hit these homes days ago. But the tears are still fresh. We live on the ground. It was so hard for two weeks, especially for 27, 28, 29th. But only today it's quiet. Sorry, sorry, I need to go. Two people were killed outside this block of flats last Wednesday. One of them was a 50-year-old woman, the other a 34-year-old woman. Her husband, who won't talk to us, he says he's in shock, managed to make it down to the cellar with their little child, but she just didn't have the time. And this is a story that repeats itself over and over in dozens of apartment blocks with civilians being killed by the constant shelling around Donetsk. The city's trauma hospital is filled. Now, that's from... 2015, now, the constant shelling in the Donetsk region of Ukraine wasn't Russia bombing them. It was Ukraine. The Ukrainian government bombing its own people. This is a lot of of what this is about. No one wants to talk about this. You rarely hear anybody, you, you hardly hear anybody in mainstream media. Tucker occasionally touches on it. One of the main reasons, okay... I know we talk a lot about this, and and you're going to understand why here in a second. I'm not trying to sit here and be a Putin fanboy, okay? XKGB, obviously, he's probably not the best person in the world. But I don't know that he isn't. Is that me, the American that grew up through the 70s and 80s and 90s of the pure... Uh, uh, brainwashing of we have to hate Russia and all its people, or is there something else going on here? And no one wants to ask the question, what is going on? We turn on CNN now. This was CNN 2015. And 
<laughs> she's reporting from the Donetsk region. These are Ukrainian citizens, okay, being bombed by their own government. What would we do in this country if we're in Florida or Texas or Georgia, wherever you're from? <laughs> we have 48 states out of 50 that download this show. Okay, I need you to call your friends in Montana, Nebraska, and Hawaii and ask what's up, but nonetheless. <laughs> so 47, I, got, I forgot Hawaii, yeah. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> if any one of those states or a region in that state was being bombed by, its, by the U.S. government, what would you do? Look, and look at the situations we've had in this country alone, not so much regions or states or counties or whatever, cities, but we've had situations, Ruby Ridge, Waco, right? The, uh, I can't think of the name of the ranch, the Brady Bundy Ranch, I think, in Nevada. You've had situations that's caused an uproar, and of course when those uproars happen, it's always those crazy preppers or three percenters or you know whatever people but it's kind of a similar situation um but on a greater scale so the dom the nesk region it'd be like uh i've told you this story before so you take a country like ukraine you know like united states right usa america whatever you want to call us we have 50 states so if you just take the 48 States, not Alaska and Hawaii, since they're kind of out and about. Um, those would be your regions, the Florida region, Georgia region, so on and so forth. So, like, the Donetsk would be a state, for example. Now, these people are Russian-born. You know, they're, they're more Russian than they are Ukraine, but nonetheless, they're Ukrainian being bombed for whatever reason by their own government. This is part of why Russia is doing what they're doing. But why are we doing what we're doing? On the last show I talked about, or it was a couple of shows ago, we talked about Article 5 in the NATO agreement. And we talked about Article 1, 2, 3, 4 leading up to 5. And you've heard Biden talk about 5. Oh, you know, Article 5, if one jumps in, we're all in type thing. And, and my argument to that is there is no one jumping in. There is, no, there is no one NATO country. Now, we're being sold on the idea that once Russia takes over uh, the Ukraine, that's just a stepping stone. Then they're going to go into Poland and, and this country and that country. And sooner or later, you know, they're going to take all over, you know, Europe and the world. And that's not true. They want to make you believe that it's true. And that's how they're selling us. And, and I'm not even just talking about America, but all the countries involved. That's how they're selling their citizens on the the ability to be able to fund this war. 
but all across Europe in these countries, Germany, Poland even, uh, France, England, you're seeing you're seeing these uh, protests against those countries being involved in the war because the, the citizens, and I would even, I mean, I could see Poland, you know, some of these countries being the way they are because I think that the citizens feel like even though we might not be sending fighters into the Ukraine, maybe if we're going to give Ukraine tanks and guns and munitions and, you know, sooner or later jets and whatever, when will, when will Russia say, okay, look, this was just about these regions of Ukraine. Fuck it. They want to play stupid games. They're going to win stupid prizes. When you have Ukraine shooting missiles that are made in America, what do you think if you're Russia? You're, you're pulling us into this war that we don't want, and it's not our fight. And realistically, it's not even kind of our fight, and it's not even the people of Ukraine's fight. Because I'll tell you why. Have you ever heard of Operation Belladonna? Probably not. I haven't either. I just found it and figured, here we go. <laughs> so, this is a declassified CIA documents. Okay? And this is the CIA's involvement in Ukrainian nationalism. Now, this was just declassified last year. Interestingly enough, that, <laughs> that it was declassified as this situation in Ukraine started and um, <clears throat> of course no one's talking about it um, I happen to stumble upon it you get on Twitter and see if anyone else is talking about it and you hear you see a person here or there kind of mention it but no one major it's just people like me just regular Joe Schmoes like throwing out Operation This and Operation That and this operation was the the main part to actually three operations. Operation um, Lynx and there was another one. Operation something. It was Operation something. I do know that. But anyway, let me read through this and uh, and you'll understand how long this whole thing has been going on. And, here, and here's the thing. I know I can see the downloads. I know there's people in Ukraine now that actually listen to this show. Whoever that is, I don't know, but I can see the downloads, so whatever. The interesting thing is this. The people, not the government in Ukraine, but the people in Ukraine are involved in a war, a conflict, whatever you want to call it, that they don't have any idea what they're doing. And what I mean by that is this. They think they're at war with Russia. When in actuality, they're a cover for the United States and Europe's war with Russia that's been going on for damn near 80 years, okay? This operation, along with the other two I mentioned, are, it's, it's a combination of operations that's been going on that started back in the late 40s after World War II. And if we analyze the publicly available declassified documents from the CIA, we can learn quite a bit about the United States and its role 
in the historical development of Ukrainian nationalism. So, in the, in the declassified document outlining the details of Operation Beldana, we can see the United States had already made contact with Ukrainian nationalists that were keen to ally with Americans against the Russians, or I guess at the time it was USSR, primarily through influencing the developing development of the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council. The subject discussed in the document was used to gather intelligence on the USSR and Soviet operations both at home and abroad. Um, let me see. I, I guess I can read through the document. Um, so this is a project, the field project outlining top secret document. This is out of Munich, Germany. So <clears throat> the outline was the collection of positive and counterintelligence from Ukrainian SSR and from other regions of the Soviet Union, which is already available to or can be obtained by the Ukrainian underground movement. Because um, at the time, the Ukraine was part of Russia at this time. So this was your underground <clears throat> separatist, I guess would be a good way to put it. So later on in the document, you know, we can see the known affiliations of the UHVR, which was the the uh, Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council and the CIA uh, was aware of specifically the Bandera and Malink factions of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationals in addition to the Ukrainian Insurgent Army. The document does go on to outline the scale of UHVR apparatus. Nothing how many country, uh, not, I'm sorry, noting how many countries its members are stationed in and ex, uh, extent of suggested reports. <clears throat> so, um, as, a, as the CIA expanded its op operations in Ukraine, additional projects came to light, notably Project Aerodynamic, formerly Cartel, uh, which operated between the years of 1949 to 1970 before reclassified under Project QR Dynamic in 70 and later PD Dynamic in 74. And finally, QR Dynamic, formerly a beehive. <laughs> I mean, it's an abbreviation, but that's the abbreviation. is operated until 91, 1991. There are thousands of documents. Now, <clears throat> let me break here. Now, why do you suppose it was ran until 91? Because in 91, that's when... Ukraine, along with the other countries in the Soviet bloc, were made their own countries. They were released from the USR, USSR, and the USSR became Russia, and Ukraine, Ukraine, and uh, Belodon, you know, so on and so forth. The countries that we know now <clears throat> that were part of Russia or the USSR back prior to 91. So, obviously, they could stop the operations because they achieved kind of what they wanted. And this is part of why in the late 80s, early 90s, there were promises made to um, Gorbachev and the other presidents prior to, prior to uh, Putin that NATO would not expand eastward. 
there would not be, there was not supposed to be any countries bordering Russia that were NATO. There wasn't supposed to be any. So of all the countries that border uh, Russia, there's only two that are not NATO, and that's Ukraine and Belarus. It was supposed to be none of those countries were supposed to be NATO. So once that started talking again in 2013, 2014, is why you see what's happened has happened. Now, everything that's going on now or that's been going on in the Ukraine should have started seven years ago, or yeah, seven, eight years ago, back in 2015. It was, but why, why didn't it happen? So 2014, Russia took Crimea. 2016, Trump was elected president. So you had a situation where the the Russian stooge, the Putin's puppet, all that bullshit. Why do you think that was? Because he, Trump, stopped and got in the middle of their project. Okay? And they didn't like that because the war should have already been started. There are thousands of documents that contain sensitive information regarding these project names and activities involved. A treasure trove of United States history that seems to have gone under the radar of the mainstream press. Declassified cartels from 1950 reveal one of the initial project outlines for cartel. As we can see by the 1950s, the CIA had successfully established a network for counterintelligence with Ukraine underground nationalists. Under Project Cartel, it is worth noting that each document refers to a list of subjects by their Cartel 1 and 2 and so on. And that was like their groups. Um, <clears throat> and who their leaders were. If we refer to the research aid, we can decipher some of the code names under to understand who the CIA initially working with during this project and what their uh, cryptonomans were. <laughs> Ivan Rintschok, Mikol uh, Lubud, uh, are a few of the subjects within cartel that played significant role throughout other declassified documents. In the specific document, it outlines their involvement along with other cartel members with regards to setting up communication channels and procurement of weaponry. The document goes on to outline the supply list for the different cartel members along with the item name and associates cost. So essentially what you're looking at is from 1949, the CIA, essentially, over the course of, you know, what, 42 years, was involved in a, a revolution, essentially. Undercover, we were we were feeding these uh, Ukrainian nationalists and and starting an uprising. So this would be something like a color revolution. In the meantime, you had presidents that were trying to do it. See, how do I want to put this? I'm not saying that. Let's see, Eisenhower and whoever. From from that point forward, <laughs> you know, I, I can't name the presidents in order. I'm not going to try, but you you look at that group from Eisenhower to, say, Bush, Daddy Bush. 
they did the political thing of trying to uh, break the USSR. And East, East, because at this time, you got to think too, Germany was two countries. You had East and West Germany. So East Germany and then East of Germany was your Soviet bloc, right? Your communist states, your communist countries. And um, the Americans, you know, and most of Europe was trying to break that up. Now they tried to do it diplomatically, obviously, as far as the cameras were concerned. But in the meantime, you had the CIA trying to start a war, essentially. Not that we were going to go over there and fight, but we're going to make them fight. Now, that brings you back to today. Or, you know, not necessarily today, but (laughs) up to this point real quick. Part of the reason you see the shelling in the southeastern part of the Ukraine via the Ukrainian government bombing its own people for the last seven, eight years has a lot to do with this because those people in that in those regions, Lenesk, Donetsk, Donbass region, historically didn't agree with the Ukrainian nationalist. They wanted to be part of Russia. You know, you just have some people. I mean, there's people that live in Russia now that live in the actual country of Russia that love it there. You know, for whatever reason, whatever, you know, they're they're patriots in their own right. And there's people like that that live in Ukraine that feel that way still about Russia because maybe their parents or their grandparents or whatever, they were born in that country. But if they're 40 years or older, even if they're, you know, mid-30s and older, they were born Russian. They were, might have been born in the Ukraine or the state or region of the Ukraine, which was part of the USSR. But they're Russian. Maybe their dads or their grandfathers or whatever were in the Soviet army and fought in World War II and fought against the Germans, and they feel some sort of way. That's why (laughs) during Operation Paperclip and all these things that happened after the right at the end of World War II, it's convenient that you put, (laughs) the United States put Nazis to get them out of Nuremberg trials. They put them in the Ukraine to continue doing what they were doing because they knew that in the Ukraine, in certain regions of the Ukraine, you had people that felt some sort of way. You might have had 60% of the population that didn't want to be Russia. They wanted to be their own country, right? But you still had 30 40% that didn't, and there was that constant battle. You had those people battling amongst each other. Then in 91, when Ukraine became Ukraine, its own country, you had to install leaders. Obviously, they were a a puppet regime. But then those people started to think, well, I'm president of Ukraine. Fuck Europe and fuck U.S. and fuck whoever. This is our country. And the U.S. didn't like that because they need Ukraine to be kind of the part a part of the US 
not just for the resources that are in Ukraine, but for the, the hidden resources that are in Ukraine. You remember back in, what was it, March or April of last year, we talked about the bio, the bio, lab, bio labs. <laughs> I'm trying to throw too many words in there. The bio weapons labs and the different labs that were in, that were found in Ukraine. And you could even ask the question, okay, well, Don, if, if it's the southeastern portion of Ukraine that, that Russia, that Putin or whoever is interested in, why were they bombing in different areas, areas of the Ukraine? Well, if you look at a map that shows you the different bioweapons labs around the country, they were in those same areas. You have to ask yourself one simple question. If this was about Russia taking over the Ukraine, if this was about, fuck that shit, we want Ukraine back to be part of Russia, we would not be having this conversation right now. Because it would have been a done deal. You can watch mainstream media. And I'm not even going to say CNN, MSNBC. I'm going to say all media. Fox included. Because there's plenty of people on Fox that agree with the narrative of Ukraine needs to be sovereign. And Ukraine needs to be protected. We need to do whatever for Ukraine. Hell, you got... Republican congressmen and senators and whatever saying the same damn thing. So if if that's the case, obviously, either they don't know because they're stupid or they know and they're stupid. <laughs> you might have a person here or there. Mainly the only one I've noticed on Fox that kind of feels some sort of way is, is Tucker. Is it because maybe he's done research? He's re read these documents? Maybe. He hasn't talked about these documents and he hasn't talked about these operations. So not that he, I can't imagine he doesn't know. I don't know why he wouldn't talk about it. I don't know. But um, I'll say this is interesting because there's a war inside a war. And if, like I said, if Russia wanted all of Ukraine, they would have done it. How come there hasn't been any bombing of any major sort in the capital? If Russia really wanted to do what we're being told they want to do, Zelensky would probably be dead. Kiev would have been destroyed. But why haven't they done that? Because historically speaking, the area of the Ukraine is, is rich in... Russian history okay you can you can call me full of shit and you can say Don we're looking at video footage of these different areas of Ukraine and, and these buildings are destroyed by Russian you know military was it or is that what we're being told because you can see file footage from eight years ago and those buildings were destroyed Russia wasn't in there then so in a 1966 declassified document, we could see the noted objective of aerodynamic at the time. It notes that underlying objectives is nationalist flare-ups. So essentially, <laughs> they want to start, quote-unquote, peaceful protest, right? Nationalist flare-ups in widely scattered areas of the Soviet Union. 
particularly in Ukraine, because that's the area we're worried about. We're not worried about Moscow or whatever. We're worried about this area. The document goes on to outline the usage of anti-Soviet uh, merges in collaboration with the ZP and the UHVR, which is the nationalist of Ukraine, to achieve their, uh, their aims. We can see a reappearance of Ivan uh, Hironch <laughs> and uh, Mikola Lebed as well throughout this document. They are under different uh, cryptonyms. Cryptonyms. Um, Project Air. Well, this is the. This is what I just read. So, <laughs> one interesting piece of information in this document is the admission of the nationalist clandestine activities conducted through the Prologue Research and Publishing Association Inc. in New York. Um, the uh, Macola Labed appointed as the president of the Prologue, became the principal agent of Project Aerodynamic. The operations were not just isolated to New York. Another declassified document reveals some additional objectives uh, of Project Aerodynamic, one of which is to utilize uh, broadcast times available um, on the Kubark, and that's the uh, cryptonym for uh, the CIA, radio stations in Athens, Greece, its operations was intended to deliver communications to multiple groups, namely the Ukraine insurgent army and members of the indigenous populations to maintain a national consciousness and to <clears throat> encourage pride and heritage in their individuality of their culture. So, essentially, what, what it was, was the CIA used... The, the media means radio predominantly to convince the people of Ukraine that this is what they needed to do. We, as a country, and not even just America, but mostly America and parts of Europe, it's like we've been itching to go to war with Russia for 50 years. Or, I'm sorry, longer than that. For since, okay, let me put it this way. Prior to World War II, we had issues with Russia. We had issues with Stalin. I talked about this before. We were so hell-bent on going after Hitler, Stalin was equally as bad as Hitler, if not worse, realistically. I'm not saying that Hitler was a good guy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but my point being is, prior to World War II, Hitler and Stalin had an agreement. Now... Obviously, both bad dudes, Hitler being a little bit more conniving and sneaky and more of a liar, went back on his words with Stalin, then Stalin needed help. And like I said before, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. As soon as World War II was over, Russia and America purged the, the uh, German scientists and, and higher-up higher officials, like the... The, the story that we're told that Hitler killed himself in a bunker with his wife, with his wife or girlfriend, whatever, Ava, um, we really don't know that that's 100% accurate. That's what we are told. And that might be a show for another day. But knowing the things that we know now with Operation Paperclip and all these different <laughs> operations where they took, where 
we and Russia took their top scientists, their top military officials. We took them, whether we took them and put them in America, um, whether we took their top rocket scientists and put them in America to start NASA, that's factual. Some of them were allowed to go to Argentina. Once again, factual. And some of them were put in Ukraine. Once again, factual. In the meantime, Russia took some of their scientists to do the same thing, not to put them in Ukraine or whatever, but to for their knowledge, for their rocket science and stuff like that. So as soon as <laughs> World War II was over, we were right back into a Cold War with Russia. So we've been aching to conquer Russia for whatever reason. For I guess it's just one of those world domination things. It's one of those we have to be an empire. You know, uh, I did a three-part series last year sometime. I don't know the exact dates. You can go back the back through the catalog and look at it. But it was the rise and fall of, of empires. And I talked about five or six different empires, and I ended with the American empire, which we are current, currently in. And I made connections between some of the great empires that we've learned about through history and compared those, the rise and falls of those empires to what we're dealing with, what America, America's rise and fall. We are on the downslope of this, of this uh, empire, believe it or not. And some of the things that, that failed past empires was kind of getting too big. We have bases all around the globe. If you want to say we live on a globe, whatever. But something that popped up when I was doing some research, and it was about military bases. And not to get off the subject of the Ukraine and, and Russia, but we can talk about China here for a second. The... Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on Taiwan and China. What were we going to do? Oh, well, there was a news report that came out the other day, an article I read, where we're going to put, we, the America, uh, U.S., is going to put troops in Taiwan under the guise of training. But why? Are we trying to go to war with China? And it's like, well, we have to get them stationed. But realistically, if you look at a map, there's 20, 30 military bases in that region, not necessarily in Taiwan, but Japan and so on and so forth. We have, <laughs> we have China surrounded and essentially, um, why, why do we have, I mean, that's not something that just happened. We've been building bases there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's like we knew we were going to have these issues. It's almost like we, we thrive on having conflict. I said this before. It seems like every 20 to 30 years, we're involved in some kind of fuckery. Ever since <laughs> Civil War. You know, yet Civil War ended 30-something years later, World War I. 20 years later, World War II. 20 years later, Korea. 20 years later, Vietnam. 20 years later, Desert Storm. 20, you know what I'm saying? It's constant. It's the constant. We, it's like, and we're in a lull. We're just like, like we're a fucking crackhead and we're itching for war. It's like, we got to start something. 
but let's go pick on the two biggest dudes on the block and see what happens. It's not good enough that we can just pick on someone, someone small and these are things that are going to fuck us all up. But anyway, um, so Ukraine in 22. Although this article only covers a minuscule portion of the declassified documents from the CIA, it's important to note that these projects define a half a century of support for Ukrainian nationalism, and there's still thousands more to analyze. The role the United States played in historical development of the Ukrainian nationalist, with all its ugly side effects, should be explained closely. Or I'm sorry, examined closely. The massive collective efforts of the internet can surely shed more light on this history. So what is this? There's an article. So this was the Russian. This is out of the New York Times. This was February 24th, which you know I should have told. I should have started the show with that. So Friday was the one year anniversary, right? Russia attacks as Putin warns world Biden vows to hold him accountable. And that's just fake news. It's it's fake news. In late February 22, the Russian Federation announced a military operation in which it aims were to complete demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. President Putin, along alongside the announcement of military operation recognize the independence of the Lenesk People Republic and the Donetsk People's Republic. Almost immediately after the military operations, Western media began publishing a barrage of opinion pieces and articles that attempted to push back on the president's claim, Putin, uh, made regarding denazification. Article after article painted the picture of Putin exaggerating the claims of Ukrainian nationalism fermenting neo-Nazis ideologies. If only, if uh, one only has learned about the country of Ukraine in 22, it would be easy to take this barrage of information at face value. Before the invasion, prior um, in Ukraine, Western media seemed to have the complete opposite point of the view of regards to the question of neo-Nazi and nationalistic tendencies with the Ukrainian populace. It appeared. The mainstream press were all aware of Ukrainians' problems with white supremacy nationalism prior to February 22. So here's a Time magazine article. It was reported that how the far-right far right white supremacist militia relies on social media to train and recruit members. In other articles, The Nation reported, reported on the rise of neo-Nazis in the region as early as uh, 2019. In fact, the prominence of neo-Nazi militias in Ukraine was such a widely reported topic within the Western media. Now, this is prior to the invasion. They received a barrage of memes targeted at them, poking fun of their sudden change in narrative. Of course, Russians themselves took part in the fun. Um, you know, so it says here, the Russian foreign minister, uh, ministry spokesperson Maria Zakarva who enjoys prodding foreign media, wrote a request to the mass disinformation outlets in the U.S. and Britain. Bloomberg, the New York Times, the Sun, etc. Uh, announced the schedule of our invasion for the coming year. I'd like to plan my vacation. A day earlier, she wrote, February 15, 22, will go down in history as a day of the failure of Western war propaganda, humili humiliated and destroyed without firing a shot. And we could talk about the Azov Battalion, which I've mentioned here plenty of times. Ukraine has a multitude of battalions at their disposal within the National Guard. 
A lot of attention surrounding the neo-Nazi topic of Ukraine is centered around the Azov Battalion. The Azov Battalion is officially recognized unit of the National Guard of Ukraine and has been at the center of a lot of media controversy since 2014 uh, maiden protest. It is clear the West, primarily the United States, Canada, and, and, and United Kingdom, are putting their efforts behind Ukraine during Russia's military operation. How far does the support go? In 2014, Senator John McCain visited Ukraine to reaffirm the United States' commitment to the Ukrainian project. Not only, that's right, the Ukrainian project. Not only has the United States been a valuable supporter of Ukraine, but its neighbor Canada also offered its assistance in the training of Ukrainian neo-Nazis. As uh, James Cardin from the, nation, from the Nation wrote in 2016, the United States government revoked a ban on funding neo-Nazis from its year-end spending bill. So in 2016, I think I talked about this on one of the shows, prior, after World War II, we, we made it a promise, or you know, we passed a bill saying we would never support a country or a military that had neo-Nazis you know, ideals. But magically enough, in 2016, in the year-end spending bill, which is always that crazy-ass spending bill that passes it between September and December, it always seems to pass just before, oh, it's, look, it's Christmas, let's just pass the damn bill. And it was one of those pork situations. The Western, meeting was, the Western media was attempting to frame a narrative in which President Putin was exaggerating or lying about his claims of neo-Nazis atrocities in Ukraine. Um, fueled by the continued rise of nationalism, with the end, we end up with the contradiction where the West claims it has no clue or denies entirely the rise of neo-Nazis in Ukraine. While these very same outlets have reported extensively on the rise of neo-Nazis in Ukraine in the past, we only look at the past decade we can see the West supported and continue to support nationalists of Ukraine. If we step back even further, we can see the past decade is only a drop in the bucket compared to the half century continued support from the United States. So, I mean, there you go. This has been a war building. And in 2013, 14, 15, when the Ukrainian government and the Azov Battalion and these neo-Nazi groups were bombing its own people. That's why this started. Like I said, this has nothing to do with taking over Ukraine and moving to Poland and going to the next country and the next. It has nothing to do with that. If it did, it would have been done. Now, the thing that gets people nervous is Russia, you know, Putin getting out of the these different nuclear treaties. And people are, well, why is he doing that? He wants to start a nuclear war. What's going on? Maybe he's just taking the safety off because maybe, look, he's getting a little pissed off. I, I, I'm not, I don't know what Putin's thinking, okay? This could be just a way for him to say, look, I'm serious. Or maybe he's tired of everyone being involved if this country, Ukraine, is not a NATO country, which it's not, why are we involved? I mean, heavily involved. 
we might not have soldiers over there yet, but we are involved. So, anyway, that's Operation Belladonna. Um, it's it's very interesting, and I, like I said, I've got a couple more things that I'm going to go over probably on the next show, do some more diving into this, but essentially, we started this situation back in the 50s. It's just taken 70 years to progress. Of course, like I said, they, they really wanted this to start it back in 15 and 16, but Hillary lost, and they lost their minds. So, anyways, I think that's all I have for you today. Operation Belladonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna put any links in the in the stuff here. But if you guys want, go ahead and search Operation Belladonna. I don't know if it'll pop up on Google, but I use um, DuckDuckGo. Hell, if you're on Twitter, just get on Twitter and search Operation Belladonna. You'll find all the articles. <laughs> it's that. I mean, they don't, they're not hiding it. It's out there. So, and it might lead you down the road of other operations. You can understand a little bit more about why these things are going on. And it's not just, it's not just bullshit, you know, guarantee you, if you ever had the opportunity to talk to someone from CNN or MSNBC and mention Operation Belladonna or Lynx or these other ones, they probably know about them, but they'll look at you like it's crazy. And of course, then you'll be a conspiracy theorist and you'll be whatever. I don't care. Call me. You can do that. Call me that. Cool. Whatever. It's proven. I'm not making Operation Belladonna up. It was a CIA operation. Started in 1949, ran to 1991. I have the documentation. I didn't find it. I didn't break into the CIA. It's declassified. There it is. (laughs) There's hoping everyone's stupid enough to not find it and start connecting the fucking dots. But anyway... With that being said, guys, today is February 27th, 2023. Just uh, one more thing. Please, um, if you're listening to this on your podcast, whatever whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please go go ahead and subscribe to the show. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything. You're listening, just hit follow, hit subscribe, whatever the button is. Tell your friends, okay? And then, like I said, if you're on social media of any kind, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Don't Tread on America. And on the Twitter machine at DTOM underscore 1775. And uh, if you're not on social media, that's fine. You can find us at DontTreadOnAmerica.com. And uh, say hi. Subscribe. Talk to me. Follow the show. You'll get your updates. Try to do the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If I don't do a Monday show, it's because I did a Sunday show. The best way for you to know that is subscribe to the show. All right, guys. Other than that, I will talk to you again on Wednesday. You guys have a fantastic day. And, uh, yeah, talk to you Wednesday.